Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. Thank you. Just stand with me a little bit longer while we just pray. Heavenly Father, I just, I ask that we all receive a good word today, Lord God. I pray uh, that your Holy Spirit will just work in every heart. I pray that your will is done and I pray that freedom will just reign in this place. Your name, amen. Please be seated. I miss you guys when it's holidays. I'm the same as Ruth. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're all back and let's get into the swing of things. Holidays are good, don't get me wrong, but it's good to be back. It's good to see you all. I'm going to start today with a little story. So, you know you're supposed to drink about two and a half litres of water a day, right? I don't particularly like water. And so, and I don't particularly get thirsty during the day. It's like, uh, you know, mum things, whatever, doing life. And I get to the end of the day, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. I I don't drink two and a half litres of water. I even try to buy fancy water bottles so I can carry around my fancy water bottle in my bag and it doesn't work. I lose it or I don't fill it up or the kids end up taking it to school or whatever. I don't drink two and a half litres of water a day and it catches up with me, guys. Middle of the night, I will wake up, 2 a.m. This happens at least once a week. 2 a.m., I will wake up and I'm so thirsty, I feel like I'm going to die. And so I, I stumble out to the, the kitchen, I open the, the fridge and I grab the, the water jug and I just chug it down as quick as I possibly can, straight from the water container because I'm so stinking thirsty. Needless to say, four gulps in, I get the most massive cold freeze you could ever imagine I know what's going to happen every time I grab it I'm like I really no, I can't stop it ah, ah. and so this is at two o'clock in the morning people anyway I get my fill I drink it and I'm like man I stumble back to bed close the fridge whatever I'm refreshed but finally I drank enough water during the day right let me read today I've got the psalm for you psalm 42 I It's not up on the screen. I'm going to drip feed it to you. You can be cheeky and read ahead, but it's Psalm 42. And it begins like this. It says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Do you thirst for God? And it makes me think, do I thirst for him? It's good. It is good to thirst for God. And we should exist in this strange dichotomy, this, this place where we thirst, but we're always quenched. It's like we're always drinking him in, but we're still wanting for more. Like, God, I love you. I love you. Like Chris said, we're in that place where we meet with him, we drink from him, but we still want more. It's like we're never quenched. We never have enough of God. And so we should desire more of God while still continually drinking in his living waters. But what if the streams of God evade us? What if you feel like you're not getting that water? It says at the end of this, when shall I come and appear before God? And see, this psalm, it's 
suggested is written by David. And David, whose like, worship and heart for God was famous, but in this psalm, he feels a rift in his connection with God. And the ease that he communed with God, which is apparent in lots of his other praises, it doesn't seem to exist here. And so this song is different and it's written, if you look at the, if you've got your Bibles open, if you look at the beginning, it says it's written for the descendants of the sons of Korah. And so that's interesting. It wasn't written by them, but it was written specifically for them to sing. And see, the descendants of Korah, Korah was the guy who tried to lead a rebellion against Moses and he got himself smited, him and his whole family, right, except for his sons. And so his sons went on to be significant worshippers in the temple and I suspect that they carried a special anointing of grace and mercy. This song was written for those descendants to sing. There's a, there's a link there. And so this song is an expression of hardship and sadness and yearning. And let me read on. It says, Day and night I have only tears for food while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? Now, I've been a Christian most of my life now, and uh, I don't have a lot of people, you know, having a go at me for being a Christian, okay? I don't, I don't get thrown into prison. I don't get, you know, I don't have Romans coming and throwing me to lions or anything like that. Our, our physical oppression, it's not really in our culture. It's sneaky. I mean, honestly, our culture is, you can believe what you want. If I decided to start a church that said um, unicorns and fairies are wonderful, you know, people would think I was weird, but they'd be like, oh, okay, (laughs) you believe what you like. That's the culture that we exist in, all right? So where does this oppression come from? Now, I, I have felt this oppression, and I'm sure you all have, when hardship and heartache come, when you're in a desert place, I find that the enemies are less physical people and more that whisper of doubt from the enemy. Where is God? He's abandoned you. He doesn't hear you. It's, it's this doubt, this you are not good enough and he doesn't want you. But we can't listen to that and we can't stay in that place. See, I um we in the holidays we often as a family watch big movies, like big series. We just watch the Lord of the Rings. The kids are all Lord of the Ring out, but I love them, okay? Went from Lord of the Rings to The Hobbit. So man, that's like six three hour movies. That was great. I love them. There's this moment, I love I could go on about it forever, but there's this moment where Samwise and Frodo, they're at Mordor. It's tough, man. They're looking like they're not going to make it. And they're sitting down and they start talking about the Shire. And they start talking about how good it was. Do you remember this? Do you remember that? I was going to marry this girl. And, and the music changes and the mood shifts. And suddenly they have a boost in their, in their spirits and they, they can go on. That's like us. See, In the midst of a sad heart, to remember the good is like medicine to our soul. It's bitter to taste, but it's healing nonetheless. And if we continue on, 
says, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshippers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. When we are in situations that are sad, that are tough, that are overcoming, recount the victories, the ways that God has spoken to you, the moment of salvation. Remember what it is to sing for joy. And there's power in testimony. Uh, Spurgeon, I've got a lot of Spurgeon throughout this. He had a lot to say. I like Spurgeon. He said, recall the victories of old to boost your spirit. It is great wisdom to store up in memory our choice occasions of converse with heaven. We may want them another day when the Lord is slow in bringing back his banished ones and our soul is aching with fear. So remember, I remember, if I think about my salvation, I remember the feeling, I remember how I was, but I remember that, that freedom. It was, like, it was like I'd never breathed before that moment. And all of us have, have that, that moment. And in a place where you don't feel victorious, to remember back to that, that is victory and that is, it is good for your soul. I want to read for you um, st- some statistics about um, depression. In Australia, it's estimated that 45% of people will experience a mental health condition in their lifetime. And in any one year, around 1 million Australian adults have depression and over 2 million have anxiety. So, I mean, I could deconstruct those and I could whatever, but those numbers are staggering and and they're not good. And I don't want to focus on them, but that is what it is. And see, in verse 5, the beginning of it says, Why am I so discouraged? And why is my heart so sad? These first two lines, people stay in a spiral of those first two lines. Suddenly, and it's not even suddenly, it's like creeps up on you, a sadness. Your heart gets sad and suddenly you realise, ah, my heart is sad. Why am I so discouraged? But it doesn't shift. And so you go, oh, my heart is sad. Why am I so discouraged? And then it shifts. I'm always sad. I'm always so discouraged. I will always be sad. I will always be discouraged. The people, I've seen it so many times as a teacher with students, as a, a friend, as a family member, you see they just this spiral of sadness and discouragement and it keeps going around and around. But it doesn't stay there. And the psalmist, though he brings this up, he doesn't stay there. And I'll read the rest. It says, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my saviour and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the Mount of Mazar, wherever he is, he's saying, wherever I am, despite what I'm feeling, I will remember God and I will praise him. And you feel a shift despite the painful condition of heart and the feeling of disconnection from God, a clear decision for action is made. I will put my hope in him. I will 
praise him. I will remember who he is. He says, now I am deeply discouraged, but I will. See, this lifts our heads from where we're at. If we're standing in a mud pile with only dirt surrounding us and we're sinking and we're looking at it, all we expect is more dirt and mud. But if we lift our heads, which, which praise does, remembering who he is, it lifts our heads and we see that's where my help comes from. That's what we start expecting. Not just more mud and dirt. We expect him if we're looking at him. And so we need to start looking if we are in a situation where our hearts are sad and we're feeling discouraged. We need to look to God who is so capable. He is sovereign and he's the one where our help will come from. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not standing up here and saying, right, if you've got depression, just come up here, pray to Jesus and it'll all be fixed. That can happen. But it's my experience that any battle is just that. It's a battle. We have a victory, but we have to fight the battle. And so God's word, it talks about endurance and it talks about perseverance and it talks about joy in hardship. There's no fluffy unicorns and fairies in the Bible. And so let's be real. Life is tough. Depression is real. Anxiety is real. Sad hearts and a sickness of the soul. It's real, guys. But that is not the end of the story. And let me tell you, this is not a condition of the 21st century. Despite what some statistics may say, this sadness of heart, mental health, depression, anxiety, it has been around since day dot. Since sin entered this world, it has been a sneaky condition, exasperating and stealing the life out of all of us. So let's just call it for what it is, okay? And God knows how to fight it. See, in verse 7 and 8, it says, I hear the tumult, tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. A heart sick with sadness and depression and anxiety or circumstances that seem overwhelming, it feels like you are stuck in the middle of a raging sea and storm with waves just crashing, just crashing. Like, you, I can't get breath because there's no, there's just, there's no reprieve. That's what it's like. But God still pours out his love. Jesus is still our hope and saviour. This is another Spurgeon. He says, a loss of the present sense of God's love is not a loss of that love itself. Just because we don't feel it, just because we feel a disconnection, there is, that doesn't mean that he loves us less. That mean, doesn't mean that he, he doesn't look upon us. It doesn't mean he doesn't hear us. Okay, God's faithfulness and grace is not determined by our faithfulness. He is unchanging and his affection towards us is unchanged. Whatever. Jesus' blood did it. Jesus' blood did it all. And so that's what we rely on. And his affection towards us is always good. 
So despite our hearts or circumstances, the key is to praise and to pray. And that's what, that's what, this, uh, that's what this psalmist does. He praises and he prays. And so you think of Paul and Silas, right? They were in jail, in chains, and at midnight, telling you, if I was in jail, midnight, I would be curled up, I would be crying, I would be a pathetic little ball, like, <laughs> but no, these guys, and they don't have the jails that we, I don't know, we, our jail isn't nice, I'm sure, but I'm pretty sure that our jails today are pretty five-star compared to the jails in Roman times, right? So... These guys are singing hymns and praying at midnight. They are in the most dire of overcoming circumstances and their, their choice is to praise and to pray. And it's then that the chains that held them was broken. And that's the same for all of us. Despite circumstance, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whatever chains that hold us, if we praise and we pray, and we do it consistently, it said at midnight, I probably would have given up the first maybe couple of hours and then laid down and gone to sleep. These guys persevered through it. This is not a quick fix, church. A lot of what we have to do is perseverance and continuing on and having grit and going, I will not let this overcome because I have a bigger overcomer. So we praise and we pray and we cry out. Verse 9 and 10 says, O God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts, they break my bones. They scoff. Where is, sorry, where is this God of yours? And see, when we're in a circumstance where it's overcoming us, whatever it is, we cry out to anything. We'll cry out to doctors. We'll cry out to family. We'll cry out to friends. We'll cry out to diets. I've had so many people, friends of mine, they're like, oh, I've got, you know, I've got this condition and I've gone to see the doctor and they said this and then they sent me to this doctor and I had to go and do this and then they said I had to cut this out of my diet. I'm like, oh, okay, well, is it working? Oh, yeah, I think so. Next time I talk to them, maybe a month has gone past, how are you going with it? Oh, yeah, nothing's really changed. I've gone to a different doctor and they sent me to it. And it's just this, man, it's just this spiral. And it's not just my one friend. It happens to a lot of people. And see, nothing our souls cries out to and rests upon or relies upon remains buoyant apart from God. Everything else will sink. Everything else will just will just fall away. It won't hold us enough. The only thing buoyant enough to hold our souls is God. And so cry out to him. I'm not saying there's no wisdom in doctors. I'm not saying there's no wisdom in eating right. What I'm saying is do not rest your soul upon it. All of this stuff God understands and he will bring about the wisdom and he will point you in the perfect direction of people to talk to or whatever you have to do. Cry out to him. Ask him. That's, that's exactly what this psalmist does. He says, why have you forgotten me? If you are in crazy circumstances, if your heart and your soul is sick, ask God, 
why do I feel this way? So many people just, just go, oh, I feel this way. Well, did you ever think why? We can ask God that. Why can't I feel your love? Why do I feel disconnected from you? Be prepared for an answer, though. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like people ask God things and they're like, God, what about this? And they'll be like, la, 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 la. And he's like, forget it. You're not even listening. So if you ask him, be prepared for an answer. See, God commands the waves, either making them calm or moved by his design to complete a purpose. So honestly, sometimes we're in a situation because we're being disobedient. Let's just get down to it. Sometimes you're just doing the wrong thing, the sin in your world, and you need to get it dealt with. Something that displeases our Heavenly Father that we'll need to address. Ask him, he'll tell you. He really will. (laughs) And then you've got to decide, am I willing to lay that down? Because sometimes it's hard. But hang on a second, don't be judgy McJudges too much because not all affliction is due to disobedience and sometimes it is allowed so we remember or discover the beautiful promises that he has hidden for us. And so in other words, if we ask, he gives us strategies to fight the battle and it may be a long battle, it may be a quick battle. And can I tell you, I'm not standing up here having never fought this battle. That would be silly, wouldn't it? I've, I've had issues with anxiety when I was younger, when I felt like this will never end. This was the way it will always be. I will always have a sick and a sad heart. But God, and I cried out to God, God brought me to a place where he showed me how to get the victory, how to fight the battle. And let me tell you also, It's not like that never came back. Sometimes I I feel that creeping, ah, this anxiety or this, this listlessness will come upon me. But I know how to fight it now. I know exactly how to fight it. And every time I fight it, it is quicker and quicker. The victory comes quicker. This is another Spurgeon. He says, to know the reason for sorrow is in part to know how to escape it or at least endure it. In verse 11, we see a shift in, um, in this psalmist and he says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? He repeats himself. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my saviour and my God. And so there's an attitude of resolve In this last verse, the writer's feelings haven't changed. You notice he's still discouraged. He's still sad, but he has decided, I will praise God. I will put my hope in him. And so, guys, I'm honestly, I'm done with this whole, the enemy stealing our joy and our hope and are speaking it over ourselves continually, continually, and speaking it over our children. Oh, no, he's got this, he's got that. He's, I've got this, I've got that. I, I can't do this. Done. This, 
this depression, this anxiety, the, the mental um, struggles that seem so unwinnable because doctors don't have absolute answers for us. They don't. They are guessing. God is the only one that has absolute answers. And so I want to encourage you, church, cry out to God because he has the answer. Fight it and don't give up. Keep fighting it. Just keep fighting it. Don't cry out once and if you don't get victory, don't stop. Keep crying out. Keep crying out. Just keep going is what I'm is what I just want to get across to you guys. God has the answer. Praise him. Don't stop praising him because of the way you feel. Because there is victory in that. And so church, thirst and drink in God, first of all. His Holy Spirit. The more when I was in a place of despair, the more that I made myself, and I had to make myself. It is not easy to meet God when you are feeling like you are not worth enough, like you, are, you just don't have anything in you to give. He still wants to meet with you. The more I met with him, despite how I felt, suddenly the more joy would creep in, the more hope would creep in. And, and it lifts you. So drink in God, his Holy Spirit, and quicken to your hearts the victories and the testimonies of your life. Remember those times, write them down, tell each other. Have testimonies that you are just repeating over and over again. Your testimonies give power to other people's testimonies. Always praise because he is so worthy of praise. If you just think on him for a moment, just think how good he is, the plan, the amazing plan that unfolds throughout the Bible. Praise him. And if your heart is sad or circumstances overwhelming, Do all these things while crying out to God. I can't express enough how important it is to cry out to him. And we don't. We don't. For whatever reason, this this idea of being vulnerable and really crying out to God, it's like we're too proud. Don't be too proud to cry out to him because he's eager to answer you. He's our great and good heavenly father. And so he, he wants us to cry out to him. And so as I finish, I, I want to give you guys, take stock of yourselves. I want to give you the opportunity for prayer. If, if you feel far from God, come and get prayer. Make it right. Don't exist in that place any longer. Be like this psalmist and decide, despite my heart, I will praise God. I will remember him. So decide, I'm going to get back. I'm going to connect with him today. And if your heart is sad, if depression or anxiety afflict you, circumstances overwhelm you, let's start the victory today. Even if you've been fighting the battle and maybe you feel so tired, because you've been fighting it for so long. 
come and, and get some of that grit back. Some and get, come and get some of that strategy back. Come and cry out to him again so you can keep moving on. And so let's start the victory today. And so I'm going to ask the band to come up. And I'm just going to pray. I'm going to finish, but I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I just lift up what was said today. This psalm that is just so full of just emotion, but so full of hope. Lord God, I pray that freedom will reign today. I pray that victory will reign today. I pray that hearts will feel like chains can be broken, like the battle can be won. Lord God, I pray that sad hearts will have joy. I pray that circumstances they, that seem hopeless will become hopeful, Lord God. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit, that you'll break off chains that have held people back circumstances that feel that people feel like are endless. I really feel like some people are just just plugging along because they feel like there is nothing else. This is the only way. This is how it's got to be. Well, it's not right. God has victory for each and every one. He promises it. I pray that each of us will search your promises, Lord God, and I pray that we will find them. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.